welcome to the ESVS Podcasts. My name is Melina de la Deceniga. And my name is Agla Cabeluneta. With this podcast, we begin a series in which we're going to explore the evidence-based best medical treatment for different PAD scenarios. Let's start with a very common situation. We have a 59-year-old man, former smoker, hypertensive, non-diabetic with baseline cholesterol level 230 milligram deciliter, complaining of disabling 100-meter white calf intermittent claudication. He had a short right common iliac artery occlusion, a mild left iliac axis disease, femoral bifurcations with no significant lesions, and patent superficial femoral arteries with good tibial runoff. The patient underwent successful percutaneous right common iliac stenting and was discharged with normal femoral pulses and present, but somewhat weak pedal and posterior tibial pulses. His right ABI increased from 0.5 to 0.8. His left ABI was 0.75. What medication should this patient be discharged with? What is the ideal combination? And what is basic non-negotiable? Well, this patient needs baseline treatment for his PAD control of his cardiovascular risk factors, and exercise therapy, stent or no stent, that's for sure. Prevention of cardiovascular events, limb and non-limb related, and cardiovascular death is of the utmost importance, and treatment of his symptomatic claudication with a stent will improve his quality of life, but by itself not prevent cardiovascular morbid mortality. So best medical treatment will include that he never smokes again, he does regular physical exercise, ideally supervised, he keeps a healthy diet and weight control, as well as pharmacological therapy that we will now talk about. Additionally, we need to consider treatment specifically for the stent implant and differentiate between the early postoperative period and long-term when the stent has possibly already been endotheliased. Right, so what drug combination would be adequate or even ideal? The patient needs antiplatelet therapy, statins and hypertensive medication. This is a must. Additionally, he could add low-dose anticoagulation. Okay, let's analyze this combination one drug at a time, the non-negotiable and the optional. Antiplatelet drugs first. According to the most recent guidelines, and I will refer to the 2017 ESC guidelines on the diagnosis and treatment of PAD in collaboration with the ESVS and the 2019 ESBM guidelines on PAD, this patient needs long-term single antiplatelet therapy with strong class 1 recommendation and top level A evidence. This long-term antiplatelet agent could be aspirin, 100 mg daily, or 150 mg if the patient weighs more than 70 kilos, or clopidogrel, 75 mg daily. Clopidogrel may be preferred over aspirin, with a class 2B weak recommendation based on level B evidence. Because of the early extent, it is recommended to add double antiplatelet therapy for the first month, with a class 2A recommendation, but based on weak level C evidence with no randomized clinical trial to support this indication, only observational data. Dual antiplatelet therapy has proved to significantly increase patency and reduce limb-related acute events, but also increases the risk of severe bleeding. So the balance favors its use for a short period in the immediate postoperative period, but not long-term in this setting of iliac stenting. So we should prescribe it for one, two, three, or six months. There are no clear guidelines for this. There is certain evidence, not absolutely robust, for one month. Beyond that, there is a whole variety of clinical practice and individual sentence experience, but no clear evidence of benefit. I insist that is for this setting of index iliac stenting. It is different for more distal infrainguinal endovascular treatment or after acute ischemic events. By the way, gastric protection with a proton pump inhibitor is not mandatory, 
but highly recommended when dual antiplatelet treatment is used, especially for older patients or those with a history of gastrointestinal ulceration or bleeding. And do not forget the interaction of omeprazole with clopidogrel, so go for a different gastric protector. And another small detail, ticagrelor is recommended instead of clopidogrel in combination with aspirin, whether it's proven clopidogrel resistance or intolerance, and would be preferred over clopidogrel if our patients suffered an acute coronary syndrome, which is not the case in our scenario, but keep it in mind if it did happen. What about adding anticoagulation? This is where the Voyager randomized clinical trial has come to shake up our ideas. This trial was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2020, after the publication of the most recent guidelines on this topic, which we have been alluding to. So really is the most recent evidence that will no doubt be included in the near future updates of all these guidelines. We actually did a podcast interview with Dr. Sebastian Debu a while back, and he explained the ins and outs of this trial. You should listen to that one. Adding 2.5 milligrams of rivaroxaban twice daily to 100 milligrams of aspirin reduced the risk of acute limb ischemia or major amputation or myocardial infarction or ischemic stroke or cardiovascular death, this was the composite primary endpoint, by 15%, with a significant increase of minor bleeding, but not major bleeding. And this applies specifically in PAD patients undergoing revascularization. In the trial, it was two-thirds percutaneous endovascular hybrid procedures and one-third open. This is a large RCT. The benefit was apparent after only three months of treatment and increased over time. The authors specifically recommend dual pathway, that's rivaroxaban, there's lower dose and aspirin in the standard dose, plus clopidogrel 75 mg daily for the first month to enhance the increased stent patency attributed to double antiplatelet therapy, so the best of both worlds, but stopping clopidogrel after one month and continuing the dual pathway of rivaroxaban and aspirin to reduce the risk of bleeding while maintaining the benefit of global secondary prevention. Our patient would well have fit in this trial as he has precisely the kind of profile this study addressed. He is young, does not need full anticoagulation for, for example, atrial fibrillation, and has offhand low bleeding risk, so he would be eligible for this regime. In this study subgroup analysis, the primary compensate efficacy endpoint was specifically significant in patients younger than 75 years, men, non-diabetics, hyperlipidemic patients, and those with claudication, among other factors. So our patient would be perfect for this regime. Would this antiplatelet or anticoagulation policy change depending on whether the iliac stent was covered or non-covered? There is no evidence on that. No specific evidence-based recommendations for specific stent designs. So offhand, it would be the same pharmacological approach. Great, all clear. Let's move on to the lipid-lowering drugs. Long-term statins are recommended in all patients with PAD, revascularized or not. Statins have proved to reduce cardiovascular event and death rates by over 15%. The target serum cholesterol levels are below 200 mg per deciliter for total cholesterol and under 70 for LDL levels, or even stricter. But statins are indicated even in patients with baseline low cholesterol levels. Unfortunately, there are no set guidelines on the specific drug and dose to use on each patient. But PAD patients usually benefit from the more potent statin compounds, like atrovastatin or rosuvastatin. Bear in mind that the objective is secondary and not primary prevention. In selected patients who do not reach the target levels with high-dose statin alone, or those who are intolerant to statins, alternatives are acetamide in combination with a statin or alone, or the new monoclonal antibody evolocumab in selected patients. Very clear. Additionally, this patient is hypertensive. Yes, this is a cardiovascular risk factor that must be controlled. Lowering systolic blood pressure reduces cardiovascular events. 
The target blood pressure in this non-diabetic patient would be under 140-90 millimeters mercury. There are quite a few different hypertensive drugs to choose from. For PAD patients, ACE inhibitors and angiotensin receptor blockers should be considered as first-line therapy, with class 2A recommendation and level of evidence B, as they have shown decreased major cardiovascular events and mortality without any effect on limb outcomes. A patient could also be prescribed beta blockers, not contraindicated in PAD patients in general. They would not affect his walking ability, remember this patient is discharged with distal pulses, and they have proved to significantly reduce the risk of coronary events by about 50%. You talked about his walking ability. This patient came to us complaining of calf claudication. Would he need drugs to increase his walking distance, like cilistazole? Well, this patient has had his right common elic artery reopened with a stent, has distal pulses bilaterally, and an ABI higher than 0.7 bilaterally. So I would not anticipate his being very, if at all, symptomatic. This medication would be optional to discuss with the patient depending on his symptoms, but it would definitely not be mandatory. The combination of aspirin and silostasol has proved to reduce restenosis and amputation rates after infraenginal endovascular treatment in some studies, but not after iliac stenting. The combination of aspirin and clopidogrel is much more accepted and used. Silostasol specifically has some antiplatelet effect, so it would not be recommended together with aspirin plus clopidogrel. That would be sort of triple antiplatelet therapy for an acceptable increased bleeding risk. Okay, so to sum up, we would discharge our patient with 100 milligrams of aspirin, 75 milligrams of clopidogrel for a month, ideally with rivaroxaban, 2.5 milligrams twice daily as well, to drop clopidogrel after the first month and continue the other two drugs. That would be option number one. Alternatively, we could choose a double antiplatelet therapy for a month to continue indefinitely with clopidogrel, option number two, or continue with aspirin, option number three. We would absolutely keep him indefinitely on statins. For example, we could start with 20 or 40 milligrams of adervastatin, given his baseline cholesterol, and tailor long-term dose to his response. We would need to check his lipid levels within three months and periodically thereafter. We should also prescribe an ACE inhibitor or an angiotensin receptor blocker adjusted to his blood pressure levels, option number one, or beta blockers, option number two, and monitor that response in the short and long term. Smoking would be banned for life. Daily walking would be mandatory, as well as a healthy diet and a serious threat against gaining weight. That's right. And remember to consider gastric protection. Right. We're all set then. Thank you very much for summarizing the current evidence and clarifying this issue. This would be an evidence-based best medical treatment according to what we know today. Of course, we have to be on the lookout for increased knowledge and the publication of new evidence, which could change our current practice. For example, I'm keen to read the upcoming ESVS guidelines on antithrombotic therapy in vascular surgery scheduled for 2023 and future ESVS guidelines on management of PAD. Absolutely. I hope you listeners out there have found this discussion as useful as I have. We will be back soon with more clinical scenarios to keep scrutinizing the available evidence. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.